here we go. <laughs> I am very glad that we are here this morning. Um, I, I wonder, has anyone in the room, yeah, kids just yelling, loving it. Has anyone in the room ever had an enemy? Has anyone ever had an enemy? Like someone that you would say was like your enemy, that you could, now I, I took some time this week to think about like who have been my enemies? And I was thinking like, not just someone, you know, that I maybe didn't get along with, but who was like, who was like my arch nemesis? Has anyone ever had like someone that you think is like your arch nemesis? And, and, and it was good because it took me a really long time to think about somebody that I would class as an enemy. Um, I, there used to be a guy I played basketball against that I would say he was my arch nemesis. Like every time we played him, I was like, how can I get him ejected from the stadium? I managed twice. One time his brother got ejected too. So, so you know, don't worry about that. that. Basketball, really lame, like really lame. Yeah, I got him ejected twice. I never did. I got maybe one tech. Anyway, whatever. Uh, basketball nemesis, yeah, sure. Uh, then I was thinking about, <laughs> and there was an old person, and I shouldn't say old, there was just a person at church who, when I was a teenager, would pull me up on everything. Like, didn't matter what I did, it was wrong, right? And so when that happens, as a teenager, you kind of fight back a little bit. And so there was kind of like, there was like this one person, every Sunday morning, I, I was assured there'd be a run-in at, at some point in the morning. Anyway, I was thinking, oh, that's not really an arch nemesis, though. That was just me being a teenager, probably. Then it came to me. I realized who my arch nemesis was. I, I realized. When I lived in Hobart, years 7 to 11, I lived in a really nice court. We lived in this court. It was lovely. It was on a hill. We could see lots of things. We had a neighbor called Mr. Passarelli. <laughs> Mr. Passarelli. Now, uh, I can't remember how it started. I can't, my first memory of interaction, I can't remember. But I can tell you by the end it was all out war. Mr. Passarelli was our, our next door neighbour and he had a really long driveway which kind of shared, it was like a whole wall of our property was, was Mr. Passarelli's house. And he would yell at me, he would, he would threaten me, like, like literally threaten to shoot me a few times. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he at one stage told Dan that he'd castrate him. Like I'm pretty sure, like he was a, he was a bit of a, a nasty, a nasty man. <laughs> like if, if our, if our uh, ball went over the fence, he'd come storming to tell mum and dad about it, that we had ruined his crop for that year. And uh, I remember I built a cubby house once and there was about a centimetre that went over his fence and he overnight tore down my whole cubby house. Like, uh, I <laughs> uh, he... Um, he dismantled the whole thing. So, so the very next day after he had dismantled the cubby house, uh, me and my next-door neighbours, who were boys about my age, we, we made some flower bombs and we put dye in those flower bombs and we, we flower bombed his whole driveway, including his, his precious almond trees. 
Has anyone ever grown almonds? I just never knew that they took that much work. But he had almonds. He individually wrapped every single fruit on that like tree. And we made sure that we knocked some almonds off the tree. And anyway, so then he came back and he'd just always, always lose his temper with us. Now, looking back as an adult, he drank a lot, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, and it was just, it just so happened that when he was heavily drinking, I was around, maybe. Um, uh, but no matter what happened, we would keep retaliating. It just didn't matter. Uh, Mum and Dad can probably tell you stories, I'm sure. There were plenty of times where we did something and ran away for the whole day, just so that Mr. Passarelli wouldn't, you know, come and beat us, probably. Um, but, but there's like, he was my arch nemesis. He's the closest I've ever had to having a proper enemy, like a war. Like it was like our back fence was like a war zone with Mr. Passarelli. We've started a, a new teaching series last week, uh, which is Jesus Says. In the same way, like we've all played Simon Says. You know, when Simon Says, you have to do the action. We, we did... We kind of made a commitment that we were going to follow Jesus a couple of weeks ago. That we were going to follow what Jesus said. And I think too often, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, is that we listen to the words of Jesus and we think they're really good ideas. And we even agree with what he says, but do we do the action afterwards? Do we actually do what he says? So we're looking at the things Jesus said that lead us to action. I want to just apologize for last week that we didn't have the recording up on SoundCloud and Spotify. We just had a few people away and it. it's one of the things that slipped. I I keep telling Mark it's probably the best I've ever preached so we missed out but but last week we talked uh, we talked from the text was from the sermon on the mount where where Jesus is teaching and he's he's kind of laying down what he is like his kind of big ideals, like what the kingdom actually looks like. And so we talked last week about being salty, being salty. I love, I love salt. I think it's pretty good. And just how Jesus asked us to be flavor of the world, how uh, that we, with the fruit of the Spirit, make our neighborhoods, our homes, our city, and hopefully our world better. This morning we're, we're, we're taking the reading from the, same, uh, from the same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. So we're looking at Matthew 5. This morning we're going to start at verse 43. If you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen, but you might want to pull your phone out or your Bible and mark some things down. Verse 43. You have heard the, the, the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from everyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray and and have a look at at this verse together. Uh, God, thank you that you're with us. 
always with us. We just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you, um, that you teach us, that you draw truth uh, to us this morning. May you, uh, you know, uh, speak through me. May Nathan's words fall to the ground. May your words be remembered. But most of all, we ask that we don't just listen and we don't just get this as knowledge, but this becomes action for us here this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Like I said, we're still in uh, Jesus' sermon, uh, outlining, he's, he's talking to the big crowds at this point and teaching all about ushering God's kingdom. And he was correcting he was correcting the way, especially the Jews were thinking. The, the things that they had been taught, uh, and he was kind of coming and doing some gentle correcting on some of the, the things that they had come up with. We heard um, if at Rev Youth on Friday night, Sam spoke a lot about uh, the Pharisaical law, and there was, I, rem- I looked it up, 613? I think was the number, different laws that the, the Pharisees had come up with as to how to, you know, be good, good people, like how to be God's people. And Jesus is coming and correcting some of those laws, those rules that they had kind of set up, that it had become all about keeping the rules and it wasn't so much about the heart matter behind it. And Jesus is kind of correcting some of that. It's hard for us this morning, to picture an enemy truly in the same context as the audience that Jesus was talking to. We live in a pretty different world than 2,000 years ago. You see, the, the audience that Jesus was talking to had very, very clear enemies, right? They were actually living in an occupied like, like country. The Romans had, had come and they were in control And for most Jews, the Romans were the enemies. Now, they got to live relatively peacefully under the Romans. But for the Jews, in the same way, if like another country, like if China came and occupied Australia, we would be like, well, if we live in peace, it's good. But but they'd still be the enemy. We'd still be like, surely this is our country, right? Is that a terrible example? Maybe. But... But it's similar. So, so they knew straight away when Jesus is talking about enemies, who that was. Not just in their normal context, but they had story after story, historical context about who their enemies were. This was land that had been fought over. You know, like, like they knew that the, the Egyptians were their enemy from the stories that they told. They knew the Babylonians were their enemy from the, the stories they would have told. The Philistines, right? Like all these surrounding things. They knew who their enemies were. And they had heaps. It's very different for us this morning, right? Like I, like I said, and Mr. Passarelli's kind of a fun story, but, but really it was... Not really like someone I, I had to, I thought straight away, that's my enemy and, and I, I hate my enemy. We need to understand when Jesus is talking about enemies, it's not like a light version of enemy. It's not like we have to think about someone who we have a bit of a disagreement with as our enemy. It's, there's no degree of enemy. He's actually saying to his original audience, 
you need to love your enemy. There's no like reading it any other way. There's no like little loophole. You know, like sometimes we look for little loopholes when Jesus talks. We like, well, that might have been for that audience, but it's not maybe not for us today. I, I just want to tell you that it's really clear that when Jesus says love your enemy, he means love your enemy. And in that context, he's talking about enemies that have killed their ancestors. Like, like it's a very real thing. But I believe that today he's saying the same thing. That these words apply to us today. Now we may think about enemy a little bit different. We may not have that kind of really clear set. These group of people are our enemy. But each of us have different, uh, different relationship breakdowns. Each of us have different grudges. Each of us have uh, like those kind of people that, that we find hard to love, right? And I believe that Jesus is saying to us today, not as an idea to keep in our head, but in a very practical way, love our enemy. If we go back a step in, in Jesus' teaching, he, he actually is teaching just before this about revenge. And, uh, and I don't know, um, I, when I hear love your neighbour, who thinks that that's a Jesus idea? Does anyone like, in my mind, when I hear love your neighbour, I think immediately, oh, that's the teaching of Jesus. Most, most people, I think if you went to general public and went, love your neighbour, they'd be like, I think that's a Jesus idea. Well, actually, the, the idea of love your neighbour isn't like a new idea that Jesus is presenting in this, in this scripture. In fact, that's, that's a common Jewish thought, was love your neighbour. It, it had existed uh, for, for centuries and centuries, love your neighbour. It's a Jewish idea. You look after those and you love those who are like you, who are part of your tribe, uh, and that's what you do. What Jesus does in his teaching, and this is why we kind of associate it with him so much, is he redefines who our neighbour is in his teaching. In the past, your neighbour was, you know, your group of people, your, your culture, your tribe. And Jesus actually goes to say, no, your neighbour is actually every other person on the earth. He broadens it massively. He says it's all people. It's, it's all cultures. It's, it's radical idea for those people who heard it. Because they, they've been trying to love their neighbour. But, but he expands on it. And then he takes it even further. He takes it even further with this statement, Love your enemies. Not just tolerate your enemies, not just, not just kind of ignore your enemies, not just keep your space from your enemies, but actually love your enemies. Like I said before, um, the verse before, Jesus is actually talking about revenge. And he talks about like, you know, you say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus said, but I tell you a different way from that. Now, it's really interesting because uh, 
that eye for an eye actually was set up again by Jewish people. And it was a great way to stop retaliation after retaliation. It was actually a really good way of doing justice, right? And it was set up in their, in their, their community, in their law system, in their rules as, well, you know, you take someone's eye out, well, they should take your eye. That, that seems pretty fair and justice. And it stopped maybe the Mr. Passarelli situation where it just escalated, where you retaliate with a bit more force than what you got with. So it was actually like a decent idea. But Jesus again... He takes the idea even further, saying, you know, if you get slapped on one cheek, turn the other. If, if a soldier asks you to pick up his stuff and carry it a mile, carry it, carry it too. Now, there's some, there's some really nice subversion that Jesus does in those stories, um, which you should read about at some point. Look them up. Like, a Roman soldier was only allowed to ask someone from the public to carry their stuff for one mile. And if they did it, more, it was actually against the law. And that Roman soldier could get in heaps of trouble for carrying, like asking someone to carry it more. So there's some really cool, like rebellious things that Jesus does in that. But it's just, again, the way Jesus kind of teaches it. Actually love your enemies. Can I tell you the first thing that comes to mind is a bit yikes? You know, like, like actually loving those who do kind of bad things against you. But this is why and, and uh, where we're looking at this saying Jesus says. This isn't Jesus joking. It's not just thought-provoking. He really meant love. So we have to do something about it this morning. And I just want to present a couple of, uh, a couple of ways in which we might do that. Are you with me? Everyone's still with me? Okay, good. Uh, now, the first thing, and, and Jesus says it in the very next line. He says, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemy. So the first step for us in loving our enemy is firstly to pray for our enemy. There's a few things in this that I reckon are really, really powerful. My first thing comes to mind is like in a really passive-aggressive way, pray for your enemy. You know, like, you know, like when you say to somebody, oh, I'm praying for you. You know, like, you're not quite good enough. Oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, you know. Uh, you can do it in that kind of like passive And I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't mean that at all. He's not like, don't pray for them to suddenly get boils all over their body. He's not saying pray for your enemies in that way. No. Not in the way that David does in the Psalms. Has anyone read the Psalms recently? David is always praying to God, just destroy my enemies. Um, Jesus is presenting a very different idea about how we pray for our enemies. I believe Jesus is saying, how about you pray for blessing for your enemies? How about you pray life over those who you would consider your enemy? Who knows that when we pray for someone, it changes our heart for that person. I, Jesus is, well, it's pretty easy to say. He's pretty brilliant. But it always comes back to our heart for things. When we pray for someone, it changes our heart towards them. Instead of us wishing the worst on our enemy, 
instead of us wanting them to fail, if we start praying for them, it changes our posture towards them. We start wanting blessing for them. It disrupts our, um, it disrupts our thinking pathways. Who knows that we are creatures of habit? And we develop thinking pathways. And if we, if we keep doing that, they, they become ruts, don't they? They become certain ways that we think about things. When we start praying for our enemies, instead of thinking kind of the bad thoughts, instead of, you know, whatever it might be, it might be envy, it might be, you know, just wishing the worst. It disrupts our, our thought patterns. It, it, creates, it creates new, you know, like thought patterns, new, new wiring in our, in our brain. Praying for our enemies changes our, like our makeup. Now, can I tell you, praying for our enemies takes discipline, right? I, I don't know if you're like me again. I, I'm probably feelings driven. That's, that's kind of, I think most people who know me would be, that's how I'm driven. And, and when I pray, I, I pray out of, you know, what I'm feeling, um, it takes discipline for me to go, I need to bring this person in prayer. I need to pray blessing. And it might start off as some pretty weak prayers. <laughs> you might be only able to muster, God, I hope they don't die today. <laughs> you know, like it might start off that and you might have to develop it. You might, it might gradually get to, you know, I hope even better things. You know, are you with me? Are you understanding that it might take some discipline. You may not feel it at first, but I believe that it will change our heart towards others. This is where it's really important, as always, to invite the Holy Spirit to convict us, to lead us, to guide us. Who knows that when we invite the Holy Spirit, He always leads towards reconciliation. It's what God does. He, God, God reconciles relationship all the time. He restores healthy relationship. Can I tell you that even if you prayed for that person for your whole lifetime, I want to let you know there's a good chance their behaviours won't change. I'd love it if that was the case, right? Wouldn't you love it if that was the case? I'm going to pray for this person and maybe their behaviour towards me is going to change. Overnight, they start being heaps more lovely, heaps more tolerable. I want to tell you that's probably not the case. What we're praying for is heart change on our behalf, right? That we see them differently. So the first thing, is to, is to pray for them. The second uh, is something that I, that I think is a practical thing that we need to do. And we need to do it quite often and we need to, to kind of make, a, again, a bit of a habit of it. And we've done it in this, in this space before. I think we need to let go. I think we need to let go way more than we, we probably do. 
We've talked about unforgiveness before and the effect of unforgiveness. That affects us, doesn't it? It doesn't do anything to, to anyone else. It seems unfair. But actually, the best case scenario, a God who loves us, a good father who knows what's best for us, tells us to let go, right? To forgive. Stop holding on to the grudges. Like I said before, the, the eye for the eye, tooth for the tooth. I, I, think, I think it was a good model for the ancient world in lots of ways. But for us, Jesus is setting a new standard. And he actually says kingdom justice isn't eye for an eye. He says kingdom justice is actually forgiveness and restoration. That's what Jesus is saying. So what do we need to let go? What do we need to let go of? What are some of the, the past hurts? I, I still know that I've prayed for it a lot of times, to let go of different things. But who knows, they creep up again, don't they? they? They really do. You get reminded of something. You see something happen or something happens to you and you're reminded of maybe some of those hurts from the past. And maybe you have to let go go of it again maybe you have to forgive that person again Jesus says we start with prayer with blessing maybe even getting to the point of encouraging which leads to love for that person love for the enemy But he also talks about leaving your burden with him, right? Leaving your burden, the weight, the weight of grudges, of unforgiveness with him. I, I get it. I, I understand it is, it is really hard to forgive people sometimes. There have been like monstrous acts that, that some of us have unfortunately been the victim of. And I, I want to tell you, I know, I know it's not easy. But Jesus actually says, come to me, bring your burdens to me and I can give you a lightness. Sam preached on it on Friday night. And we had young people come and bring their burdens to the cross on Friday night. Leave lighter. My invite is kind of the same this morning. I believe there's some homework. You need to start, how do you pray for, for your enemies? Maybe add it into, you might have to list it down as a, as a bit of a prayer request. But this morning, I'm going to invite you to come and lay that burden down. To let go again, maybe. Another step towards forgiveness, laying down the grudges, the hurt against us. And we're going to do that in sharing communion together.
as we remember what Jesus has done for us, His forgiveness for us, the laying down of His own life for us, will come acknowledging that it was done for all people as it was for us individually. The work of the cross wasn't just for us. It actually, the work of the cross was for those that we might call our enemies as well. The love of God isn't just for us. It's actually for those we might consider enemies, those who have wronged us. And this morning, I thought it was quite fitting for us to remember the example of Jesus in laying down ourselves, forgiving, getting rid of those burdens, the grudges. Can we pray? And then we're, I'm going to invite you to, to come up. We're not going to hand around... Uh, the, the bread, the, the wafers or the juice, wine. I'm going to invite you to come up. Um, Dad, can you serve as well? Just thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're good. Jesus, we, um, we know that you said these words not, not just for a good thing to say, but that it was the best thing for us. Holy Spirit, move us to action. How do we love our enemies? God, I ask this morning for freedom. I ask those grudges, the unforgiveness that we've held on to, God, we ask to be free of that. We want to lay them at the cross as we remember how you freely forgave us. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. I'm going to invite you to come and Eat the bread and the wine. Remember what Jesus did for us. Lay your burden at the cross this morning. Let's do it.